Hello, everyone. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Alternate Oscars. I am your host, as always, Gabe Warren, and with every episode, I, along with a special guest, will be celebrating and awarding our favorite films of, uh, of each year, starting in 1928 and going onwards. We'll discuss our brief thoughts on each film we nominate and comment on the actual Oscar and some fun details on the ceremony. A few rules we always follow. We will be strictly following the reminder list of eligible releases. Those can be found on the website and the Oscar goes too. The amount of categories will also change and evolve over time. Today, though, we are circling back to the Gene Autry miniseries. Today, we're going to be talking about the 1939 classic, co-starring Cary Grant, Only Angels Have Wings. And my guest today is going to be David Metzger. Oh, one second. He's the co-host of the Back Won't podcast, if you want to check that out. Um, welcome to the show, David. It's an honor to have you on here. It's an honor for me. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for asking. Of course. And before we jump into the film itself, I want to ask, what was your first introduction to Gene Arthur? Like the first movie you saw with her? Um, or when you, were, when you first became aware of her? It's weird because the first time that I became aware of it, it, it almost happened retroactively because it wasn't until my wife and I were watching um, the, what's the one with, um, oh, for God's sakes, I can't believe I forgot the name of it. Do you remember who uh, had it? Yeah, it's the, it's the one that George Stephen did. Um, um, with, uh, Talk of the town? No, the other one. Okay, let me look it up. The more the merrier. The more the merrier. I knew it had merrier in there. Um, the more, the more the merrier. So while wow, we're watching that, and it's one of our, you know, it's become like kind of like a favorite of ours, and that's the first time where I really recognized her as not just as a wonderful actress, but just as a, a wonderful comedian. Um, and she, that's when I kind of went back and went, oh yeah, of course she was in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. She's in Mr. Deeds Goes to Town. Uh, she's in all of these movies. Um, and, you know, Only Angels Have Wings, which we're doing today. It's another one of those just great Gene Arthur roles where everything, the reasons why we love her as an actress and her strengths as an actress are just on full display. Um, the only other person that I can think of that kind of comes close is Carol Lombard, where, she, yes, she's beautiful, but it's also, it's her intellect that makes her sexy and just dynamic as a performer. Absolutely all of that. <laughs> um, she really was a one-of-kind presence that is sort of hard to describe without just showing you outright. Right. It's a, absolutely. It's just, it's like little moments that she does. Like, you know, there's a moment in here where when she first meets, it's, it's the opening of the movie where she first meets the two pilots and they're trying to, you know, they're trying to flirt with her. They're trying to get her attention and they do the kind of the tip of the hat thing. And she just kind of like, she kind of just goes like, 
does the tip of the hat with like a little smirk and then off she goes. It's those little moments where it's like no one else would have been able to, to do that and get away with it the way she does. For sure. Um, and when um, discussing this film in particular, Only Angels Have Wings, the first thing I'd I note about it is that it really feels like it's so emblematic of like how confidently constructed films of this era were. Like, it just feels like everything is properly in place. The movie stars um, just flow with such charisma and Howard Hawks directs and uh, is directing this movie, and he was such a great director of actors, just controlling the scene. And there's a lot of adventure in this movie, so I love that aspect. And everything about it is just so well constructed and put together. Right. It 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 checks all the boxes of everything that a Hollywood film needed to do in this time to be successful, to be entertaining. You know, it it has the the high flying adventure. It has the special effects. It has the the action, um, but it's also has it has the humor. It has the love story at the center of it. Um, and it, and it just has like all of those great little minor characters that Howard Hawks is so good at, at uh, implementing into the story and adding texture and, and flavor to it. Um, but also, you know, he is able to just give you everything that you'd want out of a movie uh, in every scene. And one thing that struck me just watching it again for this podcast is that, you know, you're right. It's just, it's just a film that you watch and you're like, damn, that was a well-made movie. Like that was just across the board, like just a, a great story. Um, and it's funny, like with all of the airplane action and the special effects, as I'm watching it, I'm like, well, this is kind of the reason why Top Gun Maverick is, you know, uh, doing as well as it as it is right now. And just everyone who sees the movie, like even someone like me that went to it kind of like like hesitant, like, oh, I it can't be that good after the movie is over. You're like, damn, that was good. That was really good. And I can't believe it. Like they just they know how to construct a story so well. Yeah, uh, yeah, they really did. And hold on, let me pull up the premise so we can read that. So the overall premise of this movie is that at a remote South African trading port, the manager of, uh, the manager of an aircraft company is forced to risk his pilot's lives in order to win an important contract as a traveling American showgirl stops in town. And um, just a general question. Do you think the plot, um, like, did you think much of the plot when regarding this movie in general? 
or think of it anything of it in general terms? Or did you think more about everything else going on? I, th- I think it really was just putting myself into the first time that I saw it was just, you know, obviously knowing that it was a Howard Hawks film, like you kind of know that you're, you're in good hands. Um, but I'm just remarking it like, again, because it checks all those boxes, it's like, okay, exotic location. Um, that really, that great sense of world building that Howard Hawks does in that, we're thrust into a world that we really don't, we don't know that much about um, in terms of like, these are just, it's a station of pilots that are sent off to do these missions to deliver mail um, to all these different locations. And then, you know, here are the characters, here's Gene Author coming in um, and getting involved in this world. And then there's Cary Grant and, I think it, it, it just so effortlessly sucks you into the story that even if there's moments where you're confused about the plot or um, some aspects of the story aren't really gelling with you as much, you just can't help but get put under the spell of the storytelling because there's no time to just kind of stop and think like, okay, um, let me ask a few questions it just starts and you're like, okay, Jean Arthur comes off the plane. She gets involved with these two pilots. Um, then we're at the station. They're trying to buy her dinner. Uh, and then Cary Grant comes in, gives this pilot a mission. One of them has to go up. The pilot goes up. We see exactly what they do. They go and they deliver the mail. And then we get all these stakes about, you know, the, there, there's this fog. They can't see the, the landing site. So it's hard for him to land. And then that pilot, you know, spoiler alert, within the first 10 minutes of the movie, that pilot dies. Um, And then we have to, we get thrust into this, uh, the sense of the the characters. It's like, okay, these group of pilots, this camaraderie that they have, they have to face death in such a way that they need to ignore it because they they can't sink into the emotions of it because then they won't be able to do what they have to do. They won't have to take the risks that they have to take every day. And Gene Arthur just trying to, you know, at first being appalled by it, but then recognizing the importance of it. Um, So, I mean, again, kind of long way to go uh, with your question, but Howard Hawks is such a confident director that he doesn't give you time to question anything about the story or, you know, any, any sense of logic. It's just, this is it. Here are the beats. Boom, boom, boom. Here we are. And before you have time to question anything, you're already sucked into the story. It's just amazing. Yeah, it really is. And for me, it's kind of hard to describe like specific elements when everything works so well together. But I did really like, as you would expect, this Gene Arthur and Howard Hawks was pretty good at, um, pretty good with roles for women around this time. Mm-hmm. Bonnie Lee is another really good role for her. Um, what did you think of her chemistry with Cary Grant? Were you as enthralled by the two of them as I was? Yes. And, you know, it, it's it's funny because 
I feel like that relationship and the way Howard Hawks has such a great reputation of presenting female characters and not going the uh, ordinary route of making them strong, of making them have agency. And, you know, it's funny that, you know, we're two men talking about this. Um, but when we, when my wife and I sat down and watched this for the first time, you know, my wife at first um, didn't, didn't like the the fact that Jean Arthur was put into a position where it was, she thought the story was setting her up as to be um, completely to blame for the death of this pilot. And there's even that moment where, you know, she comes over to Cary Grant and says, aren't you going to do something? How can you just stand there? And he's, you know, he kind of shakes her and says, you know, haven't you done enough? Um, and, and my wife, my wife laughed at that thinking like, oh, I'm just going to see another movie where uh, the woman is the dumb character that gets in the way of all the things that the men do. But then, you know, scene after scene happens where because Howard Hawks is the director that he is, he challenges those motives. He challenges those thoughts. He challenges those um, uh, those ideals and those ideas about what makes a man, what makes a woman and and, you know, what is it about the relationships between the two of them and the, the social dynamics, the sexual dynamics, all of that. Um, he does it in such a specific, uh, you know, pointed way that even if there's a scene where you think he's going to go down the route of, of doing something mis misogynist or, you know, uh, old fashioned, you know, he puts another scene in there that challenges that, that viewpoint. So I, you know, I think uh, while it's not, I, while it's not perfect, maybe to today's standards, it's a hell of a lot better than a majority of the films that you could watch from this era in terms of the dynamics between men and women. Definitely, like comparing it to like a lot of today's stand uh, today's standards for dynamics between opposite genders, um, it certainly does. Like when you compare it to a movie like this, things do feel kind of backwards in a way, which is I always say is ironic, right? Based on the notion that we're supposed to be going forward, not backwards, right? Yeah, I mean, it, women had women had so much better roles and more agency and more stories about them in this time frame, way more than you would ever expect um you know to the point where it was it was kind of a genre unto itself where it was it was the woman's film it was the melodrama um and now it's you know uh, something like that is kind of um you know uh, it's not the norm it's uh which is it, it's odd to think about you know certainly I, I i feel like women have definitely a lot more um, opportunities and, and strength and, and, and uh, positions in the, in the fight for them 
um, now more than back then, but it's just so odd that sometimes it feels like there was a lot more opportunities back then for stories and, and films about them. Yeah. Plus they're not always getting like the backing from the major studios the way that these certain roles may have gotten back then. Right. Right. They usually have to, they usually have to make, uh, they usually have to show up on streaming or indie studios instead of what's left with the big studios now. Right. Not to say they aren't, they aren't there, but it's not as common as it should be. But again, you know, with uh, with Jean Arthur and the the relationship between her and Cary Grant, it's just so you know it's easy to forget that she is the main character of the film. It's not a Cary Grant movie alone. It's it's her coming into this world and her coming to terms with the relationship that she's developing between her and this man. And then, you know, uh, him taking the risks and her, you know, trying to get him to see, um, you know, how that's going to affect their relationship in the future and how she can't, you know, it's a very wartime, a world war two time type picture um, without it being a war movie. Um, because it's dealing with this, this idea of service and idea of sacrifice um, and how love and, and relationships and, uh, conflict, but ultimately enter into a battle within each other, um, which is you know, interesting to think about, even though that this is not a, a war movie, it's not about you know, uh, World War II pilots, although it, it, it very much could have been if for nothing else, again, to check those boxes of a great Hollywood adventure story, you know, being in an exotic location and, and this world being kind of contained unto itself. Yeah, that's, uh, um, that's definitely true. Um, one thing that's notable about this movie, um, this was based off a story written by Hawks himself. He was actually a real life um, pilot. He was actually a pilot in real life. And he parachuted from a burning plane and his co-pilot died in the crash. Yeah. So knowing that history kind of makes sense why he would make a movie like this. And, and why, you, sorry, sorry. You go ahead, that. you go ahead. No, and why, you know, I think if you if you watch this movie for nothing else, like let's say let's say you're someone that doesn't like watching old movies or um, can't get into them or you know are not into love stories, not into Gene Arthur. Um, Thomas Mitchell, the great character actor Thomas Mitchell, who you know, just IMDB Thomas Mitchell, and he's in pretty much every movie from this time. Um, it's just incredible the amount of films, the amount of classic films that this 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 actor is in. But that death scene with him and the scene between him and Cary Grant, where they're talking to each other, 
I mean, it's incredible. It's, it's, you almost kind of stand back and be like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm, I'm, I can't believe I'm watching something this, this pure, this intense, this powerful, um, in a film from 1939, you know, uh, it goes to places that no other film really goes to in respect to that type of, you know, relationship between two men, um, that type of intimacy that they feel for each other. And also just the, the, the pain of being there with a friend at the end of their life. It's just, it's, it's an incredible moment in the film. Yeah, that was, yeah, that's an incredibly touching scene. And it's very well executed on all fronts, especially the acting. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, it, you know, it, it, it could, it's so easily just could it could have been just another hall, just another movie from this era. Right. You know, it could have, you know, it could have just been like, just, okay, we got these planes and they're going to be doing these stunts and it's going to be exciting. Um, and there's a love story between, you know, two beautiful movie stars and, that's that's it that's all we got we got we got that let's do that it'll be another just another b movie um but he does he refuses to do that like you you absolutely like that's one of those scenes where it's like that's the surprise that's the beauty that's the wonder of this type of filmmaking and this type of storytelling is that it can surprise you with so many details and so many uh different levels of emotion And on so, sort of a similar note um, related to the acting, um, one of the um, co-stars in this movie, Richard Barkman-Mess, had scars from, I am not had scars from infection after plastic surgery. Um, and the only way to cover them up was with heavy makeup. But Howard Hawks convinced them um, to leave them uncovered because he thought his scars told a story about his character mm -hmm. and would give him a bit more complexity. And he also made a point to make sure Barco must appear smaller um, than the other, uh, than his fellow pilots to sort of emphasize his character's inferiority. And you can you can sort of you can definitely see that reflected in his performance, and yeah. I think it's just a testament to um, again all the really good acting going on, and even in a film like this, where we could no we it could have just rested on the romance and the chemistry of the co-stars and the action scenes. It has all that, but it also knows how to balance the human drama going on, right. And, and uh, you know, it, the story meant more to Hawks than just those superficial, you know, Hollywood yeah, story absolutely. points, right? Um, you know, he he had a he had a personal he was personally vested into the story, but also, um, you know, he needed he needed a big hit. Um, it's crazy to think about now, but this is 
So that the year before he does Bringing Up Baby, he does this film this year. And then the following year, he does His Girl Friday, which is just an incredible run. But Bringing Up Baby was a, a, a bomb. Um, it didn't do well commercially, um, which is crazy to think about now. But, yeah, crazy. You know, he, but he needed, a, he needed a hit. He needed to prove himself. Um, that he was a filmmaker that could, you know, make the studio money and be successful. Um, and, you know, again, that's what kind of gives you that sense of, I'm not just doing a typical Hollywood film. Like I'm going to, I'm going to put something in this that um, will hopefully communicate to the audience and communicate to, to people wanting to see this, you know, he, the, the airplanes and the special effects and the stunt work and everything, that's, you know, kind of the stuff that lures the audience into the theater and sits them down and wants them to see a great show. Um, but then it's that personal level of storytelling that, that Hawks adds to it, that gives them an experience unlike no other. That's yeah, that's a good point and absolutely true. Um, it's also it's just a shame that it happened to be 1939. Oh yeah, is- <laughs> I wanted to bring that up at some point. Like, widely considered like the greatest year in film, maybe ever. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I you'd you'd be uh, you'd be hard pressed to find another. We've had great years in film. Um, you know, but you'd be hard pressed to just like 1939, you just look at the list of films and then you look at the list of films that were nominated and you're like, Oh, okay. Like insane. You, you, you want to say like, how could this movie only be nominated for special effects? But then you look at the stacked deck of films that weren't, that were nominated and you're like, Oh, okay. All right. (laughs) I guess I just died. I guess you can just, I guess you can see how Gene, Gene Harlow and, uh, um, and uh, Cary Grant um, just missed it. Um, I can't remember. I, yeah. Or Thomas Mitchell or, you know, uh, he was, um, he won correct. that year for stagecoach. That's right. See, he was in like five movies that year. <laughs> Including the best picture. Winner. Right. Right. Um, and and mr smith goes to washington yeah i mean it's insane yeah it's insane do we want to talk about like more like 1939 and what was released that year and what was up at the oscars i mean you just start naming films that were made in 1939 well I mean, we've got Wuthering Heights, Gone with the Wind, Wizard of Oz, Stagecoach, Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Um, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. <sighs> Rules of the Game, Dark Victory, Love Affair, The Women. The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Babes in Arms, Gunga Din. A young Mr. Lincoln, Ninochka. Um, 
there's like at least 25 masterpieces out of the number of films that you that you yeah. just listed off. It's just insane. There's also um, um there's also the Alexander Porter production of Four Feathers. The best picture nominees were um, Dark Victory, Goodbye Mr. Chips, Love Affair, Mr. Smithfield's Washington, Ninochka of Mice and Men, Stagecoach, The Wizard of Oz, and Wuthering Heights, and the winner was Gone with the Winds. So, um, do you have any preferences here or anything that stands out to you as having should have been nominated, what was snubbed? Mm-hmm. What are your overall thoughts on? I guess I gotta I gotta out myself as as being not gone with the winds number one fan. Um, I certainly you know I respect it. I respect the the, the filmmaking of it, the craft of it. It's just not a uh, it's not my favorite of you know of all the classic films that I that I love um, and revere. Um, it's just not top on the list. I'm not the biggest. Um, uh, uh, follower of it. Um, and that's, you know, some of it is just, you know, uh, just, uh, political reasons for it, but, um, it would not be my choice for best picture of the year. If you're like, if, if I'm list looking at all those nominees, um, you know, it probably would be, um, you know, a fight between the wizard of Oz and Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Um, if we're not going to nominate, um, you know, this film or Nanachka, um, or, you know, uh, or love affair, um, you know, uh, it's not my favorite of the Victor Fleming movies that were nominated that year. Um, that would go to the wizard of Oz. Um, but I don't know. How do you, how do you feel about this, this year's Oscars? Um, I, um, I think that's a pretty good lineup, um, despite, um, uh, despite, uh, the issues you could nitpick with Gone with the Winds, it is emblematic of, like, so much of, uh, it is just such an emblem of this era, like, you can't talk about the golden age of Hollywood without talking about this movie in some mm-hmm. capacity and Vivian Lee's performance, Clark Gable and just everything. It's the ultimate Hollywood epic. For sure. Um, and it's, you know, it's the one that started it all um, in terms of what we expect out of a big Hollywood epic. Um, it just is. Which so I'm not I'm not surprised and I'm not mad that it won uh, best picture um, by any stretch of the imagination. It makes complete uh, sense. Um, you know, you just can't help you can't help but looking back and well, you know, you know this for sure because it's the it's the it's the crux of your podcast. Um, but you can't help but look back on the years and just be like, oh, I can't believe that that movie slipped by. I can't believe you know, that performance was not nominated. Um, was Jean Arthur nominated for Mr. Smith Goes to uh, Washington? No, no, she wasn't. Wow. wow. Unbelievable. It was a good year, but I suppose you could have taken out 
maybe Greg Olsen can go by ships since she's since she's more sporting. Right. She was nominated for Best Actress. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean that. I mean that right there is just kind of lunacy to me. I mean, I guess that was going to be the question that I put to you is that even if you look at the three films that that Howard Hawks made with Cary Grant, you know, we talked about this kind of this 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 run of films, bringing up Baby, Only Angels Have Wings, into His Girl Friday, th- three different actresses um playing big strong female parts and yet i feel like i feel like gene arthur if you had like someone picking what was their favorite howard hawks female out of those three films um you know, how often would Gene Arthur in Only Angels Have Wings come up when compared to Catherine Hepburn or or Rosalind Russell? Um, and it's kind of like, you know, it's like sacrilegious, like it's like it's like impossible to to kind of narrow down and choose. Um, but that that's kind I, of yeah. You go ahead, sorry. No, I mean I, I just I feel like that's the that's the heartbreaking thing about Gene Arthur in general, is just that she is for as great as she is, um, for as memorable as she is, she's kind of um, unsung in a in a in a bad way. Yeah, you know? she's just not as easily recognizable as some of the others, as some of the other ladies that Howard Hawkson has worked with. Right. Like, I don't think she has like a certain iconic status that you could attribute to Catherine Hepburn, or even if you're not into movies. You could at least say you could at least vaguely recognize Catherine Hepburn, right? Right. I feel like she she has the same thing that like someone like Julianne Moore has, where every performance she's unbelievable. She's like the best part out of everything that she does, yet not as celebrated or you know not as uh, not as remembered as someone like a Meryl Streep or a. a um, you know, Nicole Kidman or Kate Winslet, you know, she just kind of just every year kind of just slips through the cracks um, in terms of people just kind of being like, oh yeah, Julianne Moore, of course. Um, She's just kind of there. And I think it just, it really just speaks to one, the, just the naturalism of her performances. um, But just that, that, that weird thing of like, you know, she's not, it's not like Barbara Stanwyck who, you know, wears her sexuality all over her face and her body. Um, she is just, she's someone who's, you know, her intellect and her, her, her being just the smartest person in the room or the smartest person in the group is is her her secret weapon yeah Um, and unfortunately that gets overlooked mm -hmm. you know i I remember the moment in the more the merrier where i was like oh my god she's great like it's the moment where she's on the bed and like you know uh 
<laughs> they're they're making noises and they're you know or no it's um uh what's his name is it charles ruggles uh he's doing he's doing all these things these rituals before he goes to bed and she's just sitting on the bed and then all of a sudden she just breaks the fourth wall and you're like oh my god she's breaking the fourth wall in a in a movie from 1943 um this is awesome and uh, and that was the moment where I'm like, wow, she's really great. She's just really great. And she just sells every like comedic beat um, effortlessly. Um, and, and, you know, and she does it even when she's in a, in a, a high stakes adventure like this, she, she's still funny. She still lands those uh, moments of humor. Yeah, all that is true, and it makes Jane all, all the more special. Yeah. Um, so, I guess we could say, like, um, so as we mentioned, Only Angels Have Wings was only nominated for one effect, uh, one Oscar, a special effects. It technically received a write-in nomination for Black and White Cinematography, though there are only two official nominees, those being Wuthering Heights and Stagecoach. Yep. Fun fact, though, um, Wuthering Heights won, and that is Greg Fullen's only Oscar. You know, in the uh, unbelievable how-can-that-be-true category <laughs> of uh, Oscar history. I, I mean, you know, obviously you, you can say like, I can't believe he didn't win for Citizen Kane, but then I can't believe uh, he didn't win for the best years of our lives. He wasn't even nominated for, he wasn't nominated for The Grapes of Wrath. He was nominated for another John Ford film that year, but come on, The Grapes of Wrath. Right, I know. Well, it is The Long Voyage Home, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how many, how many nominations do you think, um, how many nominations would you have given it? I mean, you know, like I said, at the, at the, the top of the episode, it's like this movie checks all the boxes. So, I mean, in any other year that wasn't the biggest year in film history, um, you know, I, I just feel like it would have been one of those films that kind of, that would have swept, that would have, I mean, swept in terms of nominations, maybe wouldn't have won, um, but, you know, certainly could have gotten a nomination for, for Gene Arthur, could have got a, a Best Supporting Actor nomination for Thomas Mitchell for that one scene alone, um, you know, and it was before a, an actor an actor could be nominated for this for different performances in the same category uh, before that rule was changed. Um, and, you know, it could have got writing, it could have got production design, it could have got, you know, all these things. Was production design a, an award back then in 39? Um, yes, it was. Okay. So, I mean, it could have gotten that. Um, I, I feel like it, it's one of those films where, you know, there's a whole list of them that did not get nominated this year of just in any other year, it probably would have floated to the top. Um, but, you know, just by virtue of the fact that it's this year, uh, 1939, it's just, you know, didn't, didn't have a chance. Um, 
which was sad. And I, and I feel like you could say the same thing about Howard Hawks's filmography. Like I feel like for, for cinephiles or for casual uh, film watchers or, or TCM watchers, they're probably more often than not wanting to watch bringing up baby or his girl Friday. Um, and this is just kind of like the film that lands square in the middle and gets forgotten or gets kind of overlooked. Um, but I just think it's, a it's one of those films that the term they don't make them like they used to was made for is the best way I could <laughs> describe this movie. Yeah, um, for sure. But um, as this is this is basically, I don't know if it's the same question or not. But if you had to remove like some of the films from certain categories in order to give only angels have wings four nominations, like if you had to choose, mm-hmm. um, where would you go? What was the list of the films that were nominated that year for Best Picture? Um, Gone with the Wind, the winner, Dark Victory. Goodbye, Mr. Chips, Love Affair, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Ninochka, Of Mice and Men, Stagecoach, The Wizard of Oz, and Walter and Pikes. It's tough, but I probably would have bumped Dark Victory. But that's it's, a tough call. <laughs> it's a tough yeah, call. Yeah, it's, it's tough. <laughs> um, I'd probably, dump, I'd probably um, bump out either Goodbye, Mr. Chips, or Love Affair. Yeah. I mean, I, I love Love Affair. I love Leo McCary. Like, I think he's another unsung hero of uh, of this golden age. He made Make Way um, for Tomorrow. Yeah, and uh, and the Awful Truth, and yeah, yeah. Um, Goodbye, Mister Chips is kind of like it, it's one of those films that gets a bad rap just because it is one of those, uh, it, you know, overly uh, sentimental, overly film. sentimental, um, on the nose pictures. Um, but yeah, it probably, yeah, it probably would have been between Dark Victory and Goodbye, Mr. Chips for me too. <laughs> and then um, for Best Director, the winner was Victor Fleming from Gone with the Wind. And um, the nominees were Sam Wood for Goodbye, Mr. Chips, Frank Capra from Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, John Ford for Stagecoach, and William Wyler for Wuthering Heights. No surprise who I would bump out of that list to get Howard Hawks in there. And then you just have five amazing uh, film directors nominated in the same year where it's like, I give it to any one of them. <laughs> I'm guessing you're talking about Sam Wood. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, best actor. Yeah, the winner was Robert Donat for Goodbye Mr. Chips, Clark Gable for Gone with the Wind, Lawrence Olivier for Wolverine Heights. Mickey Rooney for Babes in Arms, and James Stewart and Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I, if given the choice, I would have given it to James Stewart. Um, Same. Would have been awesome to have Cary Grant nominated here, though. Um, because then that possibly, if you rewrite that history, so James Stewart wins for Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, doesn't get what people can, not myself, but what people consider kind of like the makeup Oscar next year for him winning for the Philadelphia story. So if Cary Grant was nominated and didn't win because they gave it to James Stewart's, then he would have been nominated for 
Philadelphia story and gotten the makeup Oscar for that. Mm. Um, and then Cary Grant could have gotten a Best Actor award, which, you know, another one of those crazy, why didn't that ever happen things. Yeah. But probably because he was, uh, you know, too pretty. Too pretty. One of the best looking people in the world. Why give him something else? <laughs> um, I think, you know what should be nominated? What? Cary Grant's hat in this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we're in a new category for best hats. Best hat. I mean, I feel like, you know, anybody else, like, he's the only actor that could pull off that hat. If you imagine, like, if I, if I walked into anywhere with that hat, I'd be laughed into tears. <laughs> and then for Best Actress, the nominees were, um, the winner was Vivian Lee for Gone with the Wind, and the nominees were Betty Davis for Gone Victory, Irene Dunn in Love Affair, um, Greta Garbo in Anoshka, and Greer Garson in Goodbye Mr. Chips. Yeah. I mean, uh, the right person won. I mean, despite my problematic relationship with Gone with the Wind, Vivian Lee absolutely deserved this Oscar for uh, Gone with the Wind, um, for sure. You know, it's sad that Gene Arthur wasn't nominated for, you know, take your pick, probably would have nominated her for Mr. Smith Goes to Washington over this film. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, cause she's just amazing in it, but, uh, you know, and that and that's that's a shame. But even still, I feel like Bill and Lee would have walked away, sure, with the with the the gold. Um, and then for supporting actor, the nominees were Thomas Mitchell for stagecoach. Uh, stagecoach who was the winner, and then the other nominees were Brian Ahern for Juarez, Harry Carey, and Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Ryan Don Levy and Bo Geste and Claude Rains and Mr. Smith goes to Washington. And um, anyone from uh, Only Angels you would have nominated here or just in general? Um, no, again, like, you know, as you're listing off all of these nominations, it's like, yeah, it would be easy to just slide someone in from from uh from this movie but it's not like it's a movie like when you were listing it off you're like with thomas mitchell you know as much as i want to say well yeah but i think he he should have been nominated for this film other than stagecoach but he's amazing in stagecoach um so you know it's not like uh this isn't the type of movie that you watch and afterwards you're like how the hell did this not get nominated for anything like how did it just get special effects it's more just a movie that you watch and you think this was just a really well-made well-executed film um and i'm just so happy that it exists and i'm so happy that i get to watch it i don't think it's again like you're reading off all of those those movies that were made this year and all the movies that were nominated it's like yeah, I can, you know, it's not, it's not a travesty that this movie wasn't nominated for more. Um, it's just a shame that it happened to coincide with 1939. Yeah. If I had to single out anything with regards to only eight angels have wings, I would make a case for it deserving more technical 
um, awards. Um, it's kind of surprising that there are only two nominees in the cinematography categories, both color and black and white. Right. Um, so I'd probably give it um, a black and white cinematography nomination. I'd be fine with an editing nomination. It deserved its special effects nomination. I probably would give it a sound nomination, though I'd have to check my um what I have facts. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's tough because this was such a good year. Uh, and it's not exactly like a knock against the movie itself. It's just that there's just so much good material to work from. And it's hard to really Yeah. I yeah. I mean it, it would it would have been nice for it to get uh you know like I like I said, like in, in any other year, I think it would have gotten those nominations. It would have gotten the editing, the cinematography, the the writing. Um it's just by virtue of the fact that it just had stiff competition, um, that it didn't. Um but again, like you when you watch it, you're not you know, it's not that you're upset that it didn't get more, that it didn't get more recognition. It's just, uh, you know. We just had to make those, decisions here. Yeah, it's just it's just a tough call, you know. Um, but, yeah, you know, but when I, when I watch that scene between Thomas Mitchell and Cary Grant, I am just astounded by it and, and feel like if there was a case to for two performances to be nominated, it would have been that for me, you know? Um, you know, I, I know this is, I know the film is a technical marvel, but I think sometimes with films like that, you tend to overlook the fact that the actors are doing so much um, with the story and with the, the storytelling itself. Definitely. The other thing that I would um, say just in terms of the writing is that when you're first watching the film, you know, even if you're, if you're someone like, you know, with my wife, just giving, you know, giving kind of a a laugh at some of the situations where she thinks like it's going to go another way, or it's going to be that type of movie. I, I feel like, Howard Hawks knows how to do this so well in that, you know, you, you have the, you have the beginning of the movie and, you know, some of us, we get sucked into the story right away. Some of us, it takes us a little bit of time, but that scene where they're all around the piano and they're singing, which is, you know, it's another one of those boxes that's checked in Hollywood films of this time where it's like, we have to have a scene where everyone sings, um, yeah, <laughs> you know, but that scene where where everyone is around and singing and like that's that's where I feel like that's when the movie just clicks into place and you click in with it and you're just you're for the rest of the film you're just there you're just you're it's it's swooped you off your off your feet and you um, swooped it swept you off your feet and you are just completely uh, engrossed with the story um, and that's just a, that's another thing where it's like that's why it would have been a really great if Howard Hawks was nominated for director but you know um, 
and it probably inspired the scene from Top Gun where they're playing, uh, where they're playing piano, uh, where they're playing Great Balls of Fire on piano, right? And just sing along, right? Right? Who knew? It, that's why the movie is. That, that's why the movie works so well. They watch yeah. angels have wings. <laughs> they learn from the masters. <laughs> they learn from the best. <laughs> yeah. So, do you have any just final thoughts on this movie or um, on this year in general? You know, on this year, you know, if anyone is looking to just get into, um, you know, watching classic films or, you know, uh, all you'd have to do is just look up 1939 in film and then just go down the list and watch them. Um, it would just be a good thing to do. Um, but with this film, I just, I, I feel like, uh, you know, it, it's on the Criterion collection. So I believe it's on their channel. You can watch it there um, or you can just rent it. It is, it's, it's a, it's a film that's worth watching. Um, not just for Jean Arthur um, because she is incredible in the film and is strong, is smart has agency in the story um and it it doesn't it doesn't go the way you feel like this story would go um it surprises you in in wonderful ways and it's worth watching yeah i'll just repeat a lot of what you said um it's just so emblematic of how, oh, whatever you want to say behind the scenes, this uh, this system was capable of creating like just an incredibly well constructed, well assembled, below, uh, down the line sort of film, mm-hmm. where even like the minor efforts have so much to offer. And this is a great. Ex- this film is a great example of that. Only angels yeah. points. Yeah, Cary Grant, Gene Alter, Howard Hawks. Guest cinematographer Joseph Walker, composer Dimitri Tielkin, just so many great people working on this. Yeah, he's another the uh, music composer, film composer that is just just look up his IMDb and just look at all the things that he did. It's just incredible. Um, but yeah, you know when when people talk about movie magic um, and you know, that, that indefinable thing that films can do. This is one of the shining examples of that, you know, of just what, what great, what Hollywood storytelling and, and American storytelling does so well is just this. Um, And it's just one of those, uh, you know, one of those, one of those relics of great cinema. For sure. Um, so thank you, David, for agreeing to appear on this podcast. It was such, uh, again, it was such a pleasure talking with you about this movie, Gene Arthur, 1939, everything. Likewise, man. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Um, yeah, it was great to talk about this movie. And thank you for giving me the, uh, the excuse to watch it again. So where can we find you on social media and all your work and such? Um, 
Yep. You can find me uh, on Instagram at David Metzger Films, um, at David Metzger Nine on Twitter. Um, my friend Devin and I uh, have a podcast called Back Pocket Films. Uh, it's a podcast where we discuss the films that you may not know exist, but will be happy to watch on your next movie night. Um, and you can find us at Back Pocket Pod, and you can listen to us, subscribe. Uh, and rate our uh, podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sounds great. So you can find me on Twitter at Dave Joker. Find the Alternate Oscars account on Twitter at Alternate Oscars. Um, find, also find me on Instagram at Dave Warren with an underscore. Um, uh, I also have a Patreon account for this Um uh, for this podcast, which I'll post, which I'll link in the description below. Be sure to rate and review this podcast for visibility's sake and subscribe through your choice of server. And until the next episode, sit back and relax, choose and enjoy, and thank you for listening to the Ultimate Oscars.